1: Welcome to Koshi, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making this such a great place to live, work, and play. And as I often point out, I certainly did that yesterday, I'll do it again today. Uh, it also is a time to celebrate what's happening across the state of Mississippi. As you know, I often talk about entrepreneurship. I think the key to success in this state is that we have to tap into those who are willing to take risks. And it's really an interesting time. If you're if you're reading a lot these days, you know. Uh, that out in Silicon Valley, there, there there's a lot of concern today about the about the, uh, about inflation, about uh, the potential that could be a recession. The money that's been on the sidelines during the, the pandemic, which I thought would actually start to flow pretty heavily into some of the tech companies, et cetera, what you're seeing is they're being a lot more careful with that money. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how if any impact there's going to be on mississippi as a result of you know these you know potential recessionary pressures? certainly the inflationary pressures that that are on on the on the capital that's out there that could be spent on new companies etc so with that said i want to invite my friend eric keel who's the uh, head of the center for entrepreneurship and outreach at uh, mississippi state been on the show before he's a good friend it's good to see you my friend eric
0: likewise good to see you ricky
1: so you heard how I started the show. That'd be a good way to kind of frame it to start out with. Man, you and I got a lot to talk about. So I look forward to kind of breaking it all down. But what are you hearing these days? I mean, are were you where I was that a lot of money's kind of hanging out there? As soon as the pandemic's over, we would just see this unleashing of the money. Never in our wildest imagination did we think that uh, supply chains would be such a significant carryover. The labor force issues that. The cost of everything, and this is not just in the U.S., but this is worldwide, would really kind of put a you know put a, a halt to the free flowing money that you and I sort of expected to happen. What are you hearing these days?
0: Yeah, well, supply chain really is a huge constraint. Um, in we haven't seen a single sector that hasn't been affected by that. Uh, And in terms of the investment community, it's there are obviously interesting things happening in tech investing right now. Um, As it relates to Mississippi, I I think we are a little more insulated as a and that's a generalized statement um, in that Mississippi's investment pool tends to be more fundamentals in their decision making. So we have seen. we we have seen at the entrepreneurship center and the deal flow that's coming out of that, as well as our partners at Innovate and other other sources across the state, investment activity continues to be strong and has remained strong. I don't think we've seen the sort of expected flood that you articulated in investment dollars while the sideline cash, but I have not I have not witnessed a slowdown in tech investing in the state, which is good.
1: Well, that's just really cool. So what out? We'll sort of almost do parallel tracks because you co-founded a company called CoFlight. I want to get the latest on that. I think it's it's cool that you started a company. The company continues to evolve in a, in a positive way, and that the learnings from that make you a better leader of your entrepreneur effort there at Mississippi State. But before we talk about that, kind of bring people. Yeah, assume that you people have not heard you and I talk before. And let's let them understand more about what it is the Center for Entrepreneurship and Outreach does at Mississippi State.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, I think, one of the most exciting missions inside the university, which is our goal is to help students and faculty members start actual companies in the marketplace. So in an ideal world, a student graduates with a degree and a company that has been funded and their first job is for their own company. And as I tell their parents, you know, they pay a salary, right? So it's not—it's not, it's not um, an alternative of joblessness. It's actually creating a company that works. Um, and we work with over a hundred startups a year, a hundred potential startups a year. And out of those, around four to six will raise a six-digit investment round that will will kickstart them for uh, for usually about eighteen months of runway. So that's what we do here at Mississippi State.
1: You know, we, Robert Saint John and I talked about that this yesterday a little bit. But my son works for Price Waterhouse, and he wrote a piece about truly hybrid work. And, and one of the points that he made to me after he wrote this piece was that of all his friend group, they're at work in all different sectors, and he's got a large friend group. He's the only one, Eric, who has not changed jobs during the pandemic. What they've learned about the ability to, to work more freely, what they've learned about what satisfaction is all about in life, about life, work, balance, what they've learned about all those things, what they've learned about the willingness to take risks that they maybe wouldn't have taken before, and so on and so on and so on. I bet that all of those learnings, all those attributes I just described, fit really well to the kids that you're working with today. And I bet that there will I mean I bet you have more kids saying, you know what I might not have even thought about starting my own business before, but I've got an idea and I'm going after it now. Are you seeing that?
0: Absolutely. And uh, my friend Tony Jeff in Innovate Mississippi, he pointed out that he thinks this the COVID era sort of unlocked the side hustle for a number of people and to sort of expand that, I, I think that one of the things, and there's there's some negative things happening in the workplace right now in the workforce in general. But I think one of the most positive aspects is people are sort of awakening to their own individual con- uh, contributor roles that they have in the world. And so you are seeing a lot of um, side hustles, if you will, that are becoming full time hustles. And um, but but I think people are realizing they're a lot more capable of contributing to the to the market, and um, with skills able to be picked up online easier, and the opportunities that abound with that. It positions Mississippi beautifully because we have such a great place to live and low cost of living that it opens the doors wide open for um, for opportunities in the state.
1: You know, we said this early in the pandemic, and certainly we understood this was going to be the case. I mean, we knew that we were all experiencing something in our generation that was very significant, and often often compared it to sort of before Katrina and after Katrina. I mean, for us on the coast. It, everything sort of every 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 time frame that we discussed was post Katrina. You know what happened post Katrina, and I think this we're going to be in the same kind of mode, maybe even more severely so, because of the worldwide impact here as it relates to post pandemic. Um, and your wildest imagination, I, I think one of the one of the other points that Robert made was this notion of I can't wait to for things to get back to normal, and you know again there is a new normal (laughs) and we'll never get back to where we were before. But in your wildest imagination, did you ever think that everything would change so dramatically in the way that it did and almost permanently. So
0: no, I, I just did not. Um, And I think we're still pulling back layers of the onion of what that even means. Um, You know, one of the things we, we definitely suffered at the center in a, you know, uh, a steep decline in students becoming interested in entrepreneurship during that the, the heart of that period and I, I at first I was panicked about it I, I very much ascribed to the old adage only the paranoid survive and so I thought oh my gosh is entrepreneurship dead at the University um, and I think in many ways we started realizing that parents were really telling their students look just keep your head down and get through this whatever this is and so we're starting to see some, uh, some resurgence of that internal motivation. And I think it's actually the pendulum is moving to the other side to where it's even more motivating than ever. Um, so I, I didn't expect to see that sort of drastic contraction of um, sharing of ideas and solving problems. But I think we're moving past that. And I think um, Robert's absolutely right. I, I don't think we're ever going back to whatever the normal was. But what I hope we we can recover from is um, the the intrinsic motivation to go make the place we live better, and I think that's coming back. I hope that's coming back, and I'm seeing the signs of that among the students, which tend to be the most uh, um, maybe vocal, carrying the flag of that uh, that idea.
1: Well, we're gonna we're gonna as in the sec- next segment, we'll talk a little bit more about that. This whole theory of you know, the Silicon Delta, building the kind of places where people, the stuff that we've talked about before, but you know, this, may tell you what, that conversation, that part of the conversation is alive and well in Coastal Mississippi in a very big way. I mean, we're seeing tremendous activity around the development of mixed use, uh, more housing downtown, a lot more sense of, you know, building the kind of places where young people want to live, and again, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that in the next segment, but um, but I do think that what happened, Eric, is that and and to hear my son talk about it, you know this. They teach classes on how to how to manage this generation, this younger generation. It's they're they're different. Their expectations are different. How how you manage them is different, the kind of work environment they expect is different, the kind of the kind of benefits they expect are everything about them is different. And I would say that if everything you would have taught about that prior to the pandemic. You can just now put that on steroids because while they might have been hunkered down for a period of time, like you said, you know, not the exchange of ideas and all that maybe not happening, but let me tell you what they were doing: they were reflecting, they were thinking about it, they were spending more time together socially, you know, you know, they were finding their little safe friend groups and spending more time together and exploring, you know, how they feel about things more than they ever have before. What do they want to do? more than they ever would have thought about that before. You know, they're willing to change. Yes, the answer, over 50% of them, as you know worldwide, are willing to change. It is fundamental to the where we're headed and fundamental to the, to the labor issues that we're having. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Eric Hill from Mississippi State. We'll see you after this break.
0: Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. We're visiting with Eric Hill, who's head of the uh, Center for Entrepreneurship and Outreach at Mississippi State. He's been a good friend of the show. We've talked a lot. He's written some really cool stuff and, uh, and it's, you know he's really I I always enjoy connecting with people like you, Eric, because you're you're kind of in the grind of it all. I mean, you're you're looking at entrepreneurship from the beginning to the most successful ends and all the points in between. And as it relates to the pandemic, as you and I was sort of talking about a few minutes ago, there might've been a lull in willingness to really want to move toward a conversation about entrepreneurship by young people during the lockdown periods of life. But as they, after they got done reflecting and realizing they're going to live and, you know, they started coming out of the cocoons, the options for them were way more expansive than before. The, the pandemic, their, their willingness to take risks, were way more. They're way more tolerant around risk than they were before, and you're seeing this in your work. But man, I bet, I bet that if you, if I were to look at the curriculum, for Mississippi State, if the business side of Mississippi State, I bet that this pandemic, this everything about the pandemic, has changed the way cl- classes are even being taught today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that. You you said it best. they students in particular had a lot of time to reflect on on the world, and so did everybody else on what what's working, what's not. Uh, we saw a lot of social tension that got uncovered, and those are real real things to be talked about. And one of the nice things about entrepreneurship, and I think while it why it appeals to young people so much, is you know, there is well documented evidence that young people want to be connected more to impact than they're motivated by and salaries. It's just the way it is. And so in entrepreneurship, they get a chance to really shape that and shape what they're working on as it relates to a market-driven problem. So that's, that's the heart of our curriculum and how we're, we're focused on, hey, get out of the building, figure out what problems that exist that interest you, and let's kind of shape a path around that where you can go make a difference and, and take it off.
1: So tell me about tell me about uh, when you're dealing with Innovate Mississippi and other partners across this state. Is is everyone sort of seeing this emerging opportunity, and with it, probably creates you know obviously you never can have enough in, angel investors that is for sure. But are are you finding that the investment side is saying, wait a minute, you know we've unlocked something here. We need to pay more attention to what's emerging because we're, we're, there's a lot of innovation taking place now and we need to tap into that. What are you seeing?
0: Yeah, there is. And I I've said this for the last few years and I continue to say it now is better than it's ever been for starting a tech company in Mississippi. And what's interesting is it, you're seeing this across the state in all the different areas. And we're trying to make sure that we're helping all aspect, all areas of the state. We've got some programs going on in Vicksburg. We've got actually, um, k-12 program going on on the coast this summer so we've got lots of things going on to try to amplify that effort but you're right i mean the partners that innovate have been fabulous we work hand, uh, very very closely with them as well as the other mississippi research institutions uh, we partner on projects all the time and that's only about to increase even further because we're recognizing i think as a group and as a collective whole that this is a great path for mississippi's growth. Um, to empower more entrepreneurs and um, frankly, less focus on just smokestacks and more on a mixed economy that involves entrepreneurs and the knowledge-based economy, if you will.
1: Well, the knowledge-based economy is critical to this whole notion about building the kind of places that, that young people want to come to. And what you and I have not, you know, as it relates to entrepreneurship, everything, everything that you and I uh, just talked about applies, but also, as it relates to the kind of young people we want to attract to live in. it may not necessarily be entrepreneurs they're, but they're, they're just, they're part of creative class. They could be lawyers or copywriters or creative creative people or any number of other jobs that you and I've chatted about before the opportunity, because I would say top of mind to them even more so today than ever is this whole notion of finding a, a place that's got a great quality of life and is affordable Mm -hmm. that's a big deal right now i mean i I would actually suggest to you that the opportunity is now for mississippi as it relates to attracting young people uh all over the nation who are probably thinking more about this whole notion of uh you know where do i want to live since i I have the liberty to live anywhere You, you hear that
0: all the time all the time and i mean we're seeing it we've got um Ricky, we've got some folks graduating in the computer science program with high six-digit salaries, no experience working for companies all over the place, but choosing to live here. Um, A specific student that I, I heard of just the other day is working for Amazon, salary over 160, and they're staying in Mississippi because they want to be here, and obviously that paycheck goes a lot further here than it does in Palo Alto. So um, I, I think that represents a huge opportunity for Mississippi because you're able to import that financial bandwidth into the state rather than um, rather than having to leave it to get it. And so that's that's just good. So you, the, really understanding why that student decided to stay and others decided to stay is, a, is an important focus area for all of us that um, work in economic development.
1: Well, Eric, you know, this is one thing. I have really focused on. I've tried not to be too critical, but at the same time, um, I'm in a position where I understand the process really well, and I'm really locked on to the BP funds, the the Coastal Restoration Funds, which we're in year three now. We've got, you know, thirteen years roughly to go, about thirteen years to go. And we're talking about millions of dollars that are being allocated, and it's a rare once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's not taxpayer money. It's money that's been put into a fund by BP, and um, you know, 75% of that money is going to be spent on the coast, and, um, and it has to get legislative approval, unfortunately. That's just the way the system was set up. Um, and I, I think for a period of time, they really struggled with de- t- defining what, what, what transformational was. The bill bills intended to create an opportunity for us to, to go and be innovative and be transformational. Unfortunately, too, too much money was being spent on public buildings. And, you know, and I don't think they really, I think that there are municipal buildings that need to be built. And I think there are things that need to be done in these cities. But that's not what the money was intended to do. Now, I think people will debate me about that. But if you go read what the intention of the bill was, it said we had an economic impact and we're we are investing this money in things that could be transformational. In other words, things that will pay back for many years to come. If you if you if you build a public building, there's not a payback in that. But if you invest in a massive 50 million dollar mixed use facility for downtown Gutport, which they did finally. Um, then it, cha- it can really change the course of history for downtown GoPort. When you add the aquarium and other things that are happening as it relates to that, this incredible down, emerging downtown area where, it, you know, when, when whoever lives there will be able to walk to some of the finest restaurants and be able to go down to the harbor. You know, think about the, the, the integration with the blue economy and how that is going to play. See, that's transformational. That's mm-hmm. transformational. I think that, you know, I, I, what I like about where we are now is that you're starting to see slightly more money being allocated to things that are truly, truly um, aspirational and that will really give us the kind of payback that we're looking for. There's still a little bit of political stuff going on. We got to give a little money over here and we got to get a little money over there. And we gotta, I wish we wouldn't do that because a, because a, a rising tide is going to lift all boats. We should be focused on not where the project is, but where is the biggest impact we can get for the Gulf Coast and for the state. Um, but but that aside, what we're seeing in downtown uh, Biloxi and downtown Gulfport and Ocean Springs and Pascagoula and Bay St. Louis and Pascagoula, I mean, I really can name everything. You see the kind of Mayor Knight and what he's thinking about from downtown uh, Moss Point and this this whole notion of what could be there. These collection of communities where, Kids, I say kids, but really it could be anyone who chooses to live remotely, want to live, work, and play in a similar area. I cannot emphasize how important that is. And you know it well. You've written about it. Why why, why is it important for me to stay focused on this?
0: <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. But I, I will say I think there is a large swath of people that still don't understand what the modern workforce really is and, and looks like and there are people that are making life-altering salaries that absolutely have the choice on where they want to live and can live anywhere and uh you're every point you're articulating i mean simple things like the aquarium and the shuckers and everything plays into that decision and um mississippians tend to have a a heart for the home state and so i think in many cases. We, we spend a lot of time talking about brain drain and losing people, but there's, there's also value in losing people for a little while and bringing them back home, and I think there is that searching for home quality in a lot of Mississippians, so making it a great place to live. And choosing to live here for that population is 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 important, and um, I think absolutely something you should remain focused on.
1: Well, one of the things I, I and you said it a few minutes ago, but you know I always say that this notion of an industrial, you know, uh, economic development customer coming in here and relocating a plant or an office—you call it the smokestack or whatever. Certainly, some of that's still going to happen, but the key to success in economic development today is if you really want if you really want the medium household income to get, to increase, then you've got to import high-paying jobs into this area and you may not necessarily do that by attracting a customer, a specific industrial customer. You may do it because someone chose to live here. and that's really important. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Eric Hill.
0: Subscribe for free to the Coast View podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to You. Eric I want to talk a little bit about Cofly a company you co-founded, but before we do that, I want to reflect just a little bit on this notion of the silicone Delta and it, it fits pretty well to what you and I were just talking about so we don't have to rehash all of that but one of the points I want to make is this and just get your thoughts about it because you know you're in Mississippi State you guys spend a lot of time thinking about this, but until we can ultimately help make the 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 Mississippi Delta more economically successful. Mississippi's always going to be toward the bottom, because when you add factor in the numbers from the Delta, it, if you were to isolate the Delta and set the set those counties aside for a second, and look how Mississippi's doing overall, Mississippi actually is not doing bad. But you bring into the the Delta towns where there's there's some very impoverished areas. It. It. We. We need to. We need to do something about. It. That's why I talk a lot about broadband. I think what, having broadband access in the Mississippi Delta will unleash some minds that may not have that opportunity today. There are other efforts that are that are underway there as well. But this is an important conversation for Mississippi, isn't it?
0: It is, and it's. It's a tough one because there's no singular answer, and um, there's a lot of factors that play into it. We. We've spent time thinking about it in a way where. What are what are the factors rather than what's the prescription for it and one of those is one of those is of course education access um but but interestingly enough i think it's availability of people to take a shot that is in our mind one of the biggest struggles because if you have a family that's struggling to get by nobody can take a risk on any random idea and yet that person who's been uh, this in a factory job for a while might have some of the best innovations that they've been thinking about but no ability to try so we've been thinking a lot in terms of how do we give people opportunities when they're in a situation where they just naturally can't take the risk and um, I think until we figure out how to crack that nut that it's going to be a continual challenge to help the delta evolve into what I think it can be.
1: Yeah, it's a. It's still best defined by the haves and the have-nots. It's you know. So obviously, agriculture is huge there. I mean, obviously, a really big part of that. Um, one of the one of the trends there, incidentally, is I've been noticing some foreign players in buying up some ag land. I don't know if you have you heard about that.
0: I have just cursorily. Uh, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, dynamic that's happening.
1: You know. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of a company from Germany, and I've heard the Chinese are interested in buying ag land in America. Maybe they're doing it through shell company. I don't know. I got to learn more about that though, because that's a scary. Because what they're they're willing to pay, let's say, agri agricultural land that has modern irrigation capabilities would go for, a year or so ago, $5,000 an acre. Today, it's going near $7,000 an acre. That's scary.
0: It's crazy scary, and I I think it's indicative of an opportunity for Mississippi like everything else. You know, I, I believe the world recognizes the impending ag challenges, and certainly here at Mississippi State, that's a huge focal area of ours as well. But, you know, feeding the world is a big challenge Going to face society over the next uh, several decades, and uh, you know Mississippi is positioned to help with that problem, and that's why I think some of our some of our brightest innovations are going to happen in ag because we've been as a state doing it longer than many other places and continue to do so.
1: It's uh, it's an interesting situation. You got to really want to be a farmer today, you know, to stay in the business, and we want them to stay in the business, but. Yeah, man. I mean, when you start adding the cost of fertilizer and all, you know, the supply chain issues, the labor issues, everything that they're facing, uh, along with these tantalizing <laughs> price per acre offers that they're getting, it's a it's a dynamic. But you, I tell you what, there there is no rest for the weary in this conversation. I don't care what element you want to talk about related to the economy, everything has been affected by this 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 very dynamic place we find ourselves in today. Somewhat due to the, uh, a lot due to the pandemic, and in uh, some of it due to the policies, which we won't get into now. So you co-founded CoFlight, and you and I've talked a little bit about it today. I was curious before we started the show how CoFlight was doing, but before we do that, people who don't know what CoFlight is, tell them about it.
0: Sure. So it's a software product for managing aircraft maintenance on a small private aircraft, and uh, allows you to track various aspects of the, the keeping the aircraft equally ready to fly as well as the pilots so that's that's what we do
1: you're a pilot also
0: yes sir sure am pilot and co-own a small airplane with a, a faculty member upstairs and um i've been doing that now for almost six years
1: that's cool that's really cool so how is is flight doing
0: doing great uh ricky we've been excited to see continual growth from uh individual owners been investing a lot of effort into helping shops that are managing lots of aircraft as well. So we're rolling out some some new product enhancements later this year that we think will will be transformational to the company. Um, and we've got uh, five people working for the team that are doing great work every day. And um, as I as I've told you, it's a, it's a healthy reminder of what is hard about starting and running a company that uh, really helps us shape some of our programs here and how we think about helping a young person get started.
1: I can only imagine the learnings and how it's helped you be a better center director there. So when you, if I were to walk around the campus today, what's the mood at Mississippi State these days?
0: It's it's improved a lot over the last, uh, really this past semester. Um, I think there's a lot more optimism and a feeling of community than there ever has been. You know, I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on some of the psychological impacts of the pandemic in young people. Uh, you're seeing some of those early studies, but there seems to be a lot more embrace of any opportunity to get together and do things. But more than that, I, like I told you before, I, I think there's a resurgence of interest in solving problems. We were talking about ag a minute ago, and I'm going to share a quick story. We had a student in our entrepreneurship course um, whose dad has been CFO of a a commercial catfish farming operation for years over in the Delta, and he, he was in our entrepreneurship class working on a completely unrelated project, and the last day of class, he came up and he said, you know, I've been thinking about several things we can do to improve the catfish farming operation. We're losing money on X. We're having trouble managing Y thinking about this thing. And we just had this 40 minute conversation for the moment. And I was I left that conversation thinking, my goodness, you know, I, I didn't think young people were interested in ag innovation anymore. And here's this guy who's been thinking about it. So, you know, there's a lot more of those conversations happening where they had pretty much died for almost 12 months. So I'm excited by that and the overall optimism on campus towards solutions.
1: That's that's really cool. Hey, so look, if an if someone's listening to this show, and they have uh, they've been thinking about investing in companies that have real promise, what's the process someone should go through if they're interested in being involved in an entrepreneur effort in Mississippi?
0: Sure. Well, thanks for that opportunity. I mean, I think uh, you know, first and foremost, get in touch with our office. Love to meet people across the state who have any interest in this field. Um, so we're, you know, the Mississippi State Entrepreneurship Center. Reach out to us; we'd love to be connected. Um, there are several investment communities across the state now. Innovate Mississippi coordinates some regional angel funds. Um, if you have a tie to Mississippi State, there's a Bulldog Angel Network that's a private group of uh, alumni investors. Um, don't have to be alumni to participate as well. We've got some investors from New York that um, and Nashville that are engaged. So, so there's a lot of opportunity there. And beyond just the investment need um we are always desperate for mentors um you know we we don't define at all what these startups can be around and so we've had everything from you know athletic socks made from yak wool with sensors involved to biomedical devices to software to ag innovations to everything you can imagine and we're always looking for people who have expertise and a heart for entrepreneurship and are willing to coach and uh, we, we coordinate a fairly large mentor network for that as well. Um, so there's opportunities to plug in, people looking for second careers and get involved in some of these companies too. We think of them as student companies, but Ricky, they, they perform in the market just like any others. Um, one of the ones we, we, that uh, was funded, I guess a couple years ago now, just landed a contract with a Fortune 500. So they're, they're blowing and going. These aren't just uh, little student companies, if you will.
1: Well, you've mentioned Innovate Mississippi a couple of times during our conversation today. Kind yeah. of frame what Innovate Mississippi is and and why it's important for them to sort of help, sort of be a clearinghouse for these regional efforts.
0: Sure, I mean Innovate Mississippi has a statewide charter for supporting tech-based entrepreneurship, and uh, they do a nice job of providing a whole array of programs. For us, they're really important to being complementary when a deal's ready to go. Um, they've done a lot of nice program additions, too. There's a statewide accelerator program, which is an intense 12-week program to launch um, launch companies over the process of the summer, so it's real intense focus, and they work with regional partners like us to feed startups. There's 21 teams going through that. And they do a lot of coordination of all of the partners. So they've, they've played a critical role, in my opinion, of, it, of helping the state's tech entrepreneurship scene.
1: Well, we're talking to Eric Hill, who's head of entrepreneurship at Mississippi State. When we come back, we'll, uh, i got a couple more questions as it relates to Innovate Mississippi. And then we'll start to wrap it up in the final segment. We'll see you after this break.
0: Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk
1: Mississippi Gulf Coast.
0: This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Visiting with our friend, Eric Hill, who's head of the Center for Entrepreneurship and Outreach at Mississippi State University. And entrepreneurship, as you've heard me say, if you're a regular listener on you entrepreneurship. this whole notion of building an ecosystem in Mississippi that s- supports people who have incredible and innovative ideas and help them get where they need to go. I mean, help them. You know, lead them through a process that can help them because, you know, people bring great ideas, don't they, Eric? But maybe they're not good marketers or maybe they're not good operational people. Maybe they don't know how to engineer something. Maybe they don't understand the law uh, behind entrepreneurship. Maybe they don't have a financial mind at all. It, It requires a lot of support. So that's why your effort, other efforts like regional efforts like yours across the state and innovate in the middle sort of being this clearinghouse working on accelerator programs and whatever else that, that would help them understand what their needs are and support them wherever possible. This is critical, isn't it?
0: It is, and I tell people all the time, it's, it's, it, we don't try to make entrepreneurs. We try to help and help them fill holes where are needed and uh, make it a little easier. It's, it's hard enough to start a business. Our goal is to help them identify where weaknesses are and help them fill those to make it a little bit easier. Ah, uh, Bill O'Lead at MIT, who we modeled a lot of the program here off, is uh, famous for calling him the hacker, the hipster, and the hustler. Those are the personality types an entrepreneur has to embrace. And in my observation, usually people have at least one of those dimensions. Sometimes two, but rarely all three. So we use it as a framework for figuring out uh, team dynamics. So
1: yeah, yeah. What I what a, you know, as as often say that when you frame it at a macro level like that, it's very simplistic. But it is super complicated when you start looking at the dimensions, aren't (laughs) it? It's super complicated. Hey, I was uh, really interested to hear from George Freeland recently that you guys have been involved in some really cool stuff with the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, well, we've run a, a fairly successful high school entrepreneurship camp here in Starkville for years. And it's an exciting experience because the students come in Sunday having never met each other, and these are 14 to 17-year-olds. We Monday morning, they form a company Sunday night. We send them out in town Monday morning to go learn from potential customers. They come up with products, make them, put together a whole retail store, and sell it on Saturday morning. So in seven days, they get a taste of the entire entrepreneurial process. And in the past, the students, you know, they do financials, and they walk away with the profit they make for the week. Last year, students made, I think, $2,200 on a Saturday morning here in Starkville. And so we've talked about growing that, and this summer, we're trying to pilot a camp on the coast for the same age group, uh, working with the foundation there to, um, to try to make this happen. So we're really excited about this
1: opportunity. You know, it makes so much sense. And so when you think about when you think about University of Southern Mississippi, Mississippi State and Ole Miss's awareness of the coast and how their programs fit with the economic opportunities of the coast. When you think about the incredible work that's do, being done across the coast, across Mississippi and especially on the coast related to the community college system, one of the best in the nation and this whole notion i mean when you look at the community college system of mississippi there are more kids involved in the job development side than in the you know i'm going to go on to a four-year university side it's incredible i mean connecting the skill development with the needs of of industry and business is really important and it seems to me that if you certainly ground zero for all those efforts is jackson county i mean what's <laughs> happening in jackson county is incredibly important because man do they have big time needs but it seems that entrepreneurship just has a nice little it's just another piece of that puzzle plugs in perfectly to that overall scheme doesn't it
0: it is and you know the but we talk about this a lot the founders of a company always get the you know attention with any new venture but it's looking at the ancillary impact that any startup has that's really important and and we talk a lot Ricky about the mix of smokestacks and startups. And there's, there's a lot of truth to be had uh, said around that. I mean, if you look at Huntington Ingalls, which is just on fire, doing great work, look at all the ancillary businesses that support that company as just one example. So there's entrepreneurship that works in, in complementary nature with big industry, but also same with the startups. They have to have people that work there as well. And you can think about the workforce around startup companies the same. And so I think um, we're excited about that partnership with Jackson County. Um, they've been, been great to work with. And uh, we're hoping to, the more young people we can get younger thinking about business and as entrepreneurship is a career path, we're really um, invested in growing K-12 uh, perspective on this. And, you know, we've got a lot of alum on the coast. There's a lot of talented students on the coast. So we're excited about giving this a try.
1: I think Mary Martha and and George are the dynamic duo and when you yes, yes. yeah, and when you think about we think about the foundation being this public private partnership with industry engagement as well as you know the the public sector and how it's all come together, uh, with leaders still involved like Jerry Saint Pay and Royce Cumbus and others, it is it's kind of a it's a it's a best practice we all all should pay very close attention to
0: absolutely and and we you know look we're we've got plenty of slots open we've got some scholarships available for it so you know all i can say is MSUCEO.com. hit our summer camp link we'd love to have um, great folks from the coast join us for the camp both in participants and people helping
1: out with it or you can call the jackson county economic development foundation over in pascagoula and they, they will have information about that as well but anyway eric it's been great to catch up with you my friend
0: likewise likewise
1: keep up the good work up there at mississippi state and stay focused on the coast along the way so it's been great have a great day and we will see you tomorrow